if you are a Christ follower, or when you become a Christ follower, God will challenge you to move in the direction of broken, messy, difficult, uncomfortable situations. If you are already a Christ follower, or when you choose to become a Christ follower, God will challenge you and me to move in the direction of broken, messy, difficult, uncomfortable situations. In fact, some of you are saying, this is happening in my life right now. This could be a young woman who is pregnant. And this young woman, when she was a little girl, thinking about how her life would unfold, this is not how she had planned it. She may be in your family, a friend, a stranger that has somehow crossed your path. This may be a neighborhood in a part of town that you usually avoid, or maybe a community of tents alongside the interstate. This could be someone who is messed up in a big way, and I mean a big way. There have been bad choices, possibly even criminal choices. When it became public, it caused major destruction in their life and embarrassment to their family. We're talking about situations where when you see what's going on, the instinct that you have inside your spirit is to turn around and walk in the other direction. Go the other way. Don't get involved. It could be an organization or a ministry that's, that's falling apart or in, in deep debt due to neglect or, or carelessness. It may be a, a far off place, a country or a region where there are few of any Christians. There is a spiritual emptiness, a longing in the people looking for hope. Maybe it's a neighbor or a relative and there's a medical cri crisis or a chronic illness, maybe a physical or a mental disability. I'm talking tonight about situations where when you and I look at them, there isn't an easy answer. There's not a quick fix. And if we're honest, we would say when we see these situations, it's easier to just look the other way to just swipe up. Here's what may be happening in your life, or maybe it's about to happen to you this week. When everyone else is looking away, walking away, staying away because it's too messy, because it's too broken, because it's too difficult, too uncomfortable, of all the people on the planet, God is going to do something in your heart. He's going to tell you, when everyone else is walking away, I want you to walk toward the mess. I want you to walk in the direction of the broken situation. I want you to walk toward that place where there's no easy fix. And this tonight, my friends, is where we pick up in our Sunday evening teaching series on Nehemiah, Strength for the Journey. Strength for the journey. If you have your Bibles with you tonight, in paper form or in an app, I invite you to begin to turn to Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2. As you're turning there, what we're about to see is that God moved in Nehemiah's heart. 
And Nehemiah would abandon the comfortable and go in the direction of a situation that was filled with brokenness and destruction. Nehemiah left comfort and went toward the broken. Two fill in the blanks right away. God left, or Nehemiah left comfort and went toward the broken. Going away from the comfortable, the known, the predictable, and moving in the direction of what was uncomfortable, unknown, uncertain, what was broken. And what God did in this situation 2,500 years ago, it was not just for then and there, it's for us here and now. It's God's heart for today. It's God's desire for you and I to move toward broken, messy, difficult, uncomfortable situations. It's God's desire for you and I to move toward people who are separated from God. Now here's how this all started for Nehemiah. Little background here, let's set the stage. The Jewish people had rebelled against God for generation after generation. They ignored all the warnings. They ignored the prophets, God's spokespeople. The prophets were trying to tell these people who were rejecting God that they needed to stop and turn back to God. Yet generation after generation, hundreds of years, there was an ignoring of these prophets. So as a way to get their attention, God uses a foreign power called Babylon to conquer and take the Jewish people captive. And the Jewish people live as inferiors, as exiles, as minorities in a foreign country. Now this is important. As a punishment for rebellion, the Jewish people were conquered and taken captive. But God had a plan for restoration from the beginning. Some of you would say that in some way you have experienced God's correction. God's got your attention because you were on the run from him. God always has restoration in mind. God has restoration in mind. And several decades later, the Jewish people were allowed to start returning to Jerusalem. And it's happened in waves. And as this return to Jerusalem happens, enter Nehemiah on the stage. Enter Nehemiah, this Jewish man. Nehemiah, a Jewish man living in the land of exile, but he's working in the palace. Nehemiah works for the king. He's a foreign minority exile working for the king, and he's got a pretty good job, a high-ranking job. You might consider him an advisor. He was in a position of trust. His title was cupbearer, cupbearer. And one of, or the chief responsibilities of the cupbearer was to do what? To taste what? The food, the wine. To taste the king's beverages before they were handed over to the king. Why? In case they were poisoned. Because if the drinks are poisoned, the cupbearer dies and long live the king. Now that's the setting. In this context, Nehemiah, this Jewish man, receives a message that things are not going well in Jerusalem, the city of his ancestors. A journey toward the broken begins with a burden. 
A journey toward the broken begins with a burden. Nehemiah is told that there is trouble and suffering in Jerusalem. The wall around the city is broken and destroyed. As Pastor talked about last week, Nehemiah is devastated. He cries uncontrollably when he thinks about this. He has the same emotions that you and I might experience if someone very close to us died. He is in mourning. So Nehemiah prays and he fasts. And the act of praying and fasting simply means to take your eyes off the things of the world and to focus completely on God. Some of us, when we think of fasting, we think of fasting food. Not fast food. How many of you were hungry for french fries after pastor preached this morning? Did anyone bring you french fries tonight? No. To fast food, to have a, a food fast, is to go without food, taking time we normally would devote for preparing, eating, and cleaning up after meals, and instead giving that time or directing that time to God. So that's what Nehemiah is doing. He's, he's in mourning, he's weeping, he's praying and fasting for what's happening in Jerusalem. And this is where we started our conversation tonight. There may be a broken situation that you become aware of or you are aware of tonight and no one else wants to get involved. You might even say that there are people who are closer to the situation because of their relationship and they're the ones who should be getting involved, but they're not. And God moves in your heart or my heart like he did for Nehemiah. And the Holy Spirit prompts you emotionally and spiritually journey toward the mess. The journey begins with a burden. Here's what happens to Nehemiah. Nehemiah's emotions are so obvious that the king picks up that something's not right. Look at with me, Nehemiah chapter two, verse two. So the king asked me, Nehemiah writing this in first person. So the king asked Nehemiah, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. (laughs) Then Nehemiah says, I was terrified. I was terrified. Why is Nehemiah terrified? Well, he's in a very difficult place because the king, one of the most powerful people in the world in this moment in history, the king is now aware of his emotions. And in those days, everything rested on the king. They weren't waiting to see what the balance of power would be in the Senate. The king's word was the word. And if you said something the king liked, If you brought an idea to the king that he liked, the king had the sole authority to put all the resources, all the authority on you to carry it out. (laughs) But if the king didn't like what you had to say, you could lose your job, you could be thrown in prison, or as was said in the back, you could maybe lose your head. So now, I want you to think about this. This is no small deal. 
The king has all these people around him every day, coming and going. And of all these people that are coming to the king's presence, in and out, something is happening with Nehemiah. And possibly in front of everybody else, the king says, Nehemiah, what's up, man? You look so distraught, and it's not because you're sick. So now Nehemiah has a choice to make. He has a choice. Is he going to say what's on his heart, or is he going to make an excuse for his emotions? Oh, it's nothing, king. I was just cutting onions in the back. Here's what we know. Following God's direction demands boldness. Following God's direction demands boldness. When God moves in our heart to take a step toward the mess, we are taking a step of faith. We're taking a risk. We may risk our reputation. We may risk our job. We may risk our friendships. If we're seen helping that person, there's a chance it's going to cost us something. For Nehemiah to speak out about the burden he's feeling for his people, he's risking his position in the palace and maybe even his life. Let's see what Nehemiah does. Verse 3. But I, Nehemiah, replied, Long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. It's all out there now. Nehemiah has put the words out there and he can't take them back in. And if Nehemiah is anything like me, he might be thinking, I can't believe I just said that out loud. And I wonder if there was a hush in the room. The king with a stoic face and everyone in the room wondering how the king may react to Nehemiah bringing in front of the king this problem in a foreign country, in a foreign place. Even if it took the king only seconds to respond to Nehemiah, it probably felt like hours. And while there was the waiting, the king says, how can I help you? Nehemiah, how can I help you? And Nehemiah, again, he speaks out in boldness. Well, I've come this far. What do I have to lose now? And he essentially asks the king for time off and to provide for all the resources to get the work done back in his home city, back in Jerusalem. Now, if you are... Uh, a working person right now, I'd like you to try this. Go and ask your boss tomorrow for an extra week of vacation after you've burned all your days. And then, as you're saying that, go ahead and ask him to pay for the plane tickets, the hotel room, and tickets for Disneyland when it reopens. Here's what Nehemiah experiences. God provides for the journeys he directs. God provides for the journeys he directs. God has access to unlimited resources. If you are doing what God is calling you to do, he will take care of the supplies that you need. So you and I, you and I, we may dismiss or reject what God calls us to do because we don't have the supplies. 
we have a burden on our heart, God's pushing us to do something, and we immediately think, well, I, I don't have the supplies or resources to get that done, so I'm just not gonna follow through. I would need a car to help out that person. I don't have a car, so I, I'm sorry, I can't help. I barely have enough money to keep uh, my own household covered. I don't have the funds to help that single mom. How many of you are living this situation? My kids are homeschooled. I'm going crazy trying to work from home. We don't have time to serve. Let me challenge you with this question, and I'm challenging myself with this question as well. What if our limited resources became our prayer points instead of our excuses? Okay, follow me again. What if our limited resources became our prayer points instead of our excuses? Let's turn that from a question into a declaration. Let's make our limited resources our prayer points instead of our excuses. Your prayer might go something like this. Father, you have laid on my heart to help to give, to serve beyond my current resources. Thank you for being a good God who provides for his purposes. You know the transportation need, Father. You know the insufficient funds. You know what my schedule looks like. So Father, instead of making an excuse, my eyes are going to be wide open, watching, Father, for how you are going to provide the resources to see your purposes accomplished. Some of you all are, are awake tonight. Watch how Nehemiah once again steps out in boldness. Nehemiah chapter two, verse seven. I also said to the king, here we go. If it pleases the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, river instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah, verse eight. And please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I will need it to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for a house for myself. Once again, silence. And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. The king granted the requests. Why? Because the hand of God was on Nehemiah. All right, don't miss this. We see that an earthly king puts his resources and authority behind his desires. The earthly king puts his resources and authority behind his desires. Now, if an earthly ruler will do that, how much more will our heavenly father put his resources and authority behind his purposes? Who's with me tonight? With that said, Moving in the direction of broken, messy, difficult, no easy answer situations. They are not walks in the park with sunshine, rainbows, unicorns, and cupcakes. Many of us have walked this 
in the past or walking this in a situation right now. Here's what you and I know. God-directed journeys encounter challenges. God-directed journeys encounter challenges. We may convince ourselves that because we're doing what God has directed us to do, that this is going to be easy. But here's what I believe you also know. There is a real-life spiritual enemy who wants to disrupt, distract, and discourage you. When we are working God's purposes, it gets the enemy's attention. And the enemy is going to attempt to disrupt, distract, and discourage you. Maybe we could turn that around to a praise report. Father, I'm experiencing disruption, distraction, and discouragement. The enemy's trying to get involved. That means I must be doing something good. Praise the Lord. There was some missionary friends working in the Middle East in a country that's hostile to the gospel. Hostile to the gospel. And the missionary sent out a praise report because there were signs posted around the city. There are Christians working in this city. Be warned. Hallelujah. We've got their attention. Nehemiah gets his first taste of opposition as he arrives in Jerusalem, verse 10. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard of my arrival, they were very displeased that someone had come to help the people of Israel. There may be people in your life who are saying, don't get involved. They will tell you the person or family that you're trying to help, that is a mess and they deserve it because they got themselves into that mess because of their mistakes or their crimes. They deserve the mess they're in. Here's what Nehemiah experienced. God-directed journeys begin privately. God-directed journeys begin privately. When God moves in your heart to take action, embrace the time when that calling is just between you and God. It may feel like it's, it's too big to, cha- to share right away. When you're praying, when you're worshiping, you see something, you hear something, and you sense the Spirit prompting you, get involved. Help. Serve. Show compassion. Here's Nehemiah keeping this calling between him and God for a season. Verse 11 and into verse 12. So I, Nehemiah, arrived in Jerusalem three days later. I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. I had not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. I had not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart. And some of you, you walked in here tonight or you're watching online right now, and you would say that God has put something in your heart that you have yet to share with anybody. Maybe it feels too big, too overwhelming. You're worried what's going to happen when you speak it. Maybe you're waiting for God's timing, God's open door to bring it public. But some of you tonight, you would say, there's something that God is working in your heart that for right now, it's just between you and God. And I hope you have these times. I hope you have things that are right now that are just between you and God. Cherish those moments. Treasure those moments when God is doing something in your heart. And and for now, it's just between you and God. 
then there will come a time when whatever is going on is going to need to move from an eternal directing or calling to public action. It's time to take action. Expect this. Bringing restoration to broken situations involves work. Bringing restoration to broken situations involves work. Again, some of us might think, this is God's idea. I'm just going to pull up a chair and watch him work. I'm just going to rest easy and watch God do his thing. Yes, God is going to show up and do his thing. And also, he has made you and me to be part of doing his thing. Bring your best and watch God do the rest. Verse 18. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me, Nehemiah, and about my conversation with the king. Once again, now Nehemiah's putting it out there. What's the response going to be? They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. The manpower was already there. The strength and supplies arrived to get the job done. Let's get to work. You know, God has given you a set of skills, desires, abilities, and passions for a purpose. And the purpose is to use them. The crowd is there. They just needed a kickstart. You know what? Sometimes we're Nehemiah and sometimes we're the crowd. Sometimes God is going to be you, use you to give the kickstart to someone else. And sometimes God is going to use someone else to give you and me a kickstart. Let's get moving. Let's get to work. We've got the manpower. We've got the resources. We have the God-given idea. It's time to get to work. Yes, let's rebuild the wall. And here's what's so exciting. If what's happening really is from God, God-directed journeys succeed. God-directed journeys succeed. And once again, the critics, they show up and they start speaking negativity into the situation. It's possible that what God sees as success is going to be different than what we might think up as success. But we trust that God's plan will succeed in the way that he wants it to succeed. I love how Nehemiah shuts this down. The critics are coming at Nehemiah. Nehemiah, what are you doing? Verse 20, I, Nehemiah, replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. You can't do that. It's too big. It will never work. That will never happen. There will never be restoration. It's too far gone. You know what? The God of heaven will help us succeed. When it comes to difficult situations, you know what? Let's be people who go on the record as saying, with the God of heaven, this plan is going to succeed. Move forward in God-directed journeys with confidence that it will succeed. Move forward in God-directed journeys with confidence that it will succeed. In those moments of pushback, opposition, frustration, discouragement, 
You might be there tonight. Tonight is a night to reset and to get your eyes back on the prize. You're knocked down, but you're not defeated because this journey is directed by God and it is going to succeed. Now, some of you are already way ahead of me. When you start to think about moving in the directions, direction of broken situations, even embracing broken situations, you're thinking, you know what? That sounds a lot like Jesus. Jesus had a dinner party with guys who cheated other people out of their money. Jesus talked with prostitutes. Jesus went to people with contagious diseases. Jesus went to the physically disabled. Jesus went to the people who were pushed to the sidelines of society. Jesus went to people who were beneath him in the social status of the day. Jesus embraced people who his own disciples said, you should not be hanging out with those people. God will challenge you and me to move in the direction of broken, messy, difficult, uncomfortable situations. Worship team, I'm going to invite you to come on the stage and just begin to play as we prepare to respond tonight. John Hambrick is a, a pastor in Atlanta, Georgia, and he wrote this great book that's right along the lines of the themes that we've been talking about tonight. John Hambrick's book is called Move Toward the Mess. Move Toward the Mess. And in this book, John tells the story of Jim Reese. Jim Reese. Jim grew up in Michigan. I also happen to grow up in Michigan. Jim Reese grew up in Michigan. Jim worked full-time to pay for a marketing and business education at Western Michigan University and he graduated back in 1980. Jim Reese, he earned promotion after promotion, reaching high-level management positions at some of the world's top corporations. Jim Reese eventually became CEO of a company that earned billions of dollars each year in revenue. By the world's standards, Jim Reese's career was so desirable. He was making money, he had the great office. Then this happened. Jim resigned as CEO in 2005 when he was at the top of his game. And within two years, he had taken a position leading the Atlanta mission. This is an organization that shows the love of Christ to people facing homelessness. Jim and his team work with people facing homelessness, helping them restore broken relationships and overcome addictions. Any of you who have been involved in this type of work, working with people, we believe they're not homeless people. They're people who are facing homelessness. Jim, left the CEO's office to work on the streets of urban Atlanta with people facing homelessness, helping them restore broken relationships and overcome addictions, helping them get off the street, get clean, and get into the workforce.
The purpose of sharing this story is not to discount corporate America or to make you feel less than if you're in a non-ministry role. That's not the point. <laughs> Some of you would even say that moving, that working in corporate America is moving toward the mess. The point is this. God may be challenging you as he challenged Nehemiah. Jim Reese left an influential top C-level executive position to lead an urban Christ-centered organization on the front lines of homelessness. Nehemiah had a high-ranking position where he had direct access to the king of the world's dominant empire. But Nehemiah left to lead the effort to rebuild the wall in Jerusalem. There are moments when God will challenge us to move in the direction of brokenness. God wants to use you to bring restoration to a relationship, a neighborhood, a city, or even an unreached people group in a foreign country. God wants to use us to be the hands and feet of Christ to a person, a person who has been pushed to the sidelines. This may be a person or a situation that other people politely turn and go the other way. But God is telling you, I want you to be the one who presses in. If you guys are able to, would you bring the house lights down? I want to give everyone just an opportunity to personally reflect on what God is doing in their hearts right now. Some of you may want to close your eyes and just close yourself in with the Lord and listen to what he might be speaking to you about a situation you are dealing with right now. Some of you may be saying, I've got messes in my own life. I've got my own situations that need repairing. When I get all that fixed, then I can help somebody else. You and I know this, it's never all going to be fixed, this side of eternity. Each one of us is dealing with a level of brokenness. There's always something or someone that we're dealing with. Here's the good news, my friends. We can be broken people helping other broken people. In fact, God may even use our outreach to others to heal the brokenness in our own life. You know, Jesus, his ultimate act of moving in the direction of broken people was leaving pure, perfect, undefiled, holy heaven to come to this broken earth. Jesus' life on this earth was an act of moving in the direction of broken people. John 6, verse 33, the true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus came because he wanted to spare you from the consequence of sin and to give you eternal life. As we close tonight, here are a few ways that God may be challenging you and me to respond. 
One, maybe you are a person who's here tonight and you are realizing your own separation from God. You are realizing your own brokenness. You would admit that your sin has separated you from your heavenly father. Your sin has hurt your relationship with others and your sin has caused damage in your own life. So the way God may be asking you to respond tonight is to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Thanking God for sending his son to redeem you from that separation that you have from heaven. With your eyes closed and no one looking around tonight, how many in this room would say, tonight is the night that I want to declare Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? If that's you, would you lift up a hand and look at me tonight? You would say that tonight I want to receive Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Thank you, sir, I see you. Who else in this room tonight? If you receive, if you wanna receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior tonight, right where you are, simply say, Father in heaven, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to redeem my brokenness caused by sin. Tonight I declare Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. That's right, right where you're, sitting tonight right where you're watching at home just say father in heaven tonight i receive jesus christ as my lord and savior and then thank god for forgiving your sins through the blood of his son and make a personal commitment seal the commitment right now that you want to live the rest of your life running after god running toward him desiring to be more like jesus tomorrow than you are today here are a couple of other ways that God may be working in your heart tonight. One, there's a broken situation you're aware of. It's a person in your family, in your friend circle, or maybe even a stranger, but you have become aware of the broken, messy, uncomfortable, uncertain situation. And you've been wrestling with this for a long time. You know that God has been calling you to step up. And while you have treasured this personal calling as a time between you and God, you know that the time is for this private calling to go public. And tonight is the night that you are gonna believe that God is going to provide the resources and the supplies to make his plan succeed. And one last group, Maybe you are in that situation right now where you have come alongside someone or a group of people or a neighborhood or an organization where there's brokenness and it's brought you in deeper than you wanted to go. It's taken longer than you expected to stay, but you know that God has you there for a reason and you are feeling discouragement. Tonight is a night to receive God's encouragement to keep on going to receive a renewing, a refreshing of his strength and declaring, enemy, you're not gonna take this one away and you're gonna declare like Nehemiah declared, with the help of heaven, God's plan is going to succeed.